Would you like for me to tell you a little joke? Yes? Are you laughing now? All right, welcome to episode 22 of Embrace the Suck, the only official licensed, sanctioned, up-to-my-neck-and-nonsense podcast of APG, bringing you two cents worth of free perspective on a heavy-hitting lifestyle. I'm your host, Bill Hart, coming to you almost live, this time from Edinburgh Waverley train station in Scotland, wee Scotland, island full of Scots, where a poster commemorating J.K. Rowling's 55th birthday, can I say this? Say that five times fast. 55th birthday, it's me, Sylvester, the Scarlet Pumpernickel. 55th birthday has allegedly been removed, owing allegedly to a mean tweet that she allegedly made. Allegedly. According to railway authorities, the advert is no longer displayed at Edinburgh Waverley. The poster in question is against our code of acceptance for advertising in our stations, owing to its political nature. We do not allow advertising that is likely to support or promote one viewpoint or another. Right, so that makes sense. So apparently she said something mean, so they want to take down uh, a poster of her for her birthday. You know, seriously, this is this is the closest thing to a, an entertaining news story that I could find. And I literally looked all over the world. In China, people are fighting about things. In India, people are fighting about things. In South America, people are fighting about things. We're pretty much fresh out of options. You're reduced to uh, stories about a poster in a train station, gentle listener. That's what you get. So enough of that. Enough of Scotland. I've had my fill anyway. Let's get on to a quick beard update. And I'm staring at the business end if I just have absolutely no idea how long it's been since I cut this thing down. And it is, it's just plain old looking respectable at this point. But, you know, who knows? Because nobody's going to see it anyway. And if I do go outside, I got to do myself up like a train robber. You know, like throw your hands in the air and give me all your, all your doubloons. So enough of the serious business. I figured it's time to lighten up a little bit. And I figured this time around, let's talk about the time I almost quit drinking. So in fairness, I wouldn't say that I, you know, drink. Hey, do you want to go drinking? Yeah, let's go drinking. Let's go. No, I don't really like that. But I'm also not the guy that you could say I don't drink. I mean, I don't happen to really but, you know, there is a difference between me and someone who you could say properly does not drink. So for me, I never really had any kind of a thing, you know, with, even when I was younger, any kind of a thing with drugs or even cigarettes, just not my thing. But as a young dude, I never had a problem having a drink or two. No big deal, right? And I guess that's just kind of how I, how I grew up. And that seems to be a case with, the, with a lot of guys that I worked with, you know, in the teams. It was kind of like, you know, most guys were never into uh any kind of drugs. I don't think I really even knew anybody that smoked per se, but there were a lot of dudes in the teams that drank a lot. I mean, when I was coming up, that was like a, that was a regular thing, but I don't think I could say that I knew too many guys that were what you would call alcoholics. Like you just simply have to drink and what appeared to be the differentiating factor. And I think that would be the same with what most team guys would say is that most of the time, any drinking that went on was driven by social events. You know, guys getting together with, you know, the barbecue. Hey, man, you want to come over having a barbecue? And which basically means bring like one chicken breast and a, as much beer as you can carry. And then when we were deployed or just around the country on workup trips, that means, you know, getting out with the boys, meeting the weird people, seeing the sights in the faraway lands, communing with the masses, as Ernest Hemingway would put it. 
In fact, I think I could count on one hand the number of team guys I've known who actually developed what you might call an inability to control their consumption. There was one time I was on a trip and we were in um, we were in Texas and uh, it was one of these deals where funding was low and I had to share a room with a guy and I locked myself out like a knucklehead. So we all go out to dinner. This guy didn't go with and I came back and uh, this guy that I'm rooming with is I can see him through the little window is one of these the embassy suites deals where you got the little window on the side and I'm looking in there and there he is. I'm like, hey. Hey, open the door. And I can see him. He's like passed out. He looks like he's dead in there. But I know he's not dead. I know that he just got left alone with a, an entire box of his favorite and, and away he went. But yeah, he was one of those dudes that we ended up having to have a talk with later. They're like, look, man, this has got a handle on you. And it's just, it's not any good. But that's just kind of the way that it was, you know, back in the, in, in the 90s, you know, before anything was going on, before the entire world was upside down. And on the West Coast, especially at Team One, like you would spend a year doing the hardest training possible. And that was really like a feather in the hat at, at Stalag Team 1. Like we're going to do this really, really hard and it's going to hurt really, really bad. And then you're going to know for sure that if you ever have to do this job, you'll be able to do it. So workups were hard. But then you would deploy to what was called PACOM or Pacific Command. And in the early 90s, you would fly out to the Philippines, you would stage out of the Philippines, and then you would bounce out for exercises all over Southeast Asia. So this could be, you know, Australia, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, Korea, any of these. You know, you bounce all over Asia doing little exercises and whatnot. So in the mid-90s, the Special Operations Unit then moved to Guam. So kind of like the little, the little train station, if you will, moved to Guam. And it worked essentially the same way. You were doing the same thing. You you know, you do your workout and then you go out to Guam and bounce out to Thailand. Or I think some dudes went to Seychelles. I never got that trip. I heard it was pretty cool. Uh, I did go to Sri Lanka and it was about how it sounds, I think. Lots of people without shoes. Um, hit Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, which is not a bad time. But you go to all these places and you do some solid work with some solid people. But understand, these people, a lot of times, you know, with the exception of, say, Australia, they're just plain and simple, not on your level. They don't have the operational history. They certainly don't have the equipment, the level of training. And you just spent a year getting to the top of your game. So there's no way that this trip is not going to be a vacation. There's a lot of hanging out. And this was in the 90s, right? So there's no war on. And uh, most of these trips in, they basically turn into training events planned around drinking events. So there will be guys that say, well, that wasn't everybody, man. Or, that wasn't my experience. And, and fine, I can dig that. I'm not saying everybody. But I will say that if a dude in the teams in the 90s was to say, oh, no, I don't drink, you would be the guy who doesn't drink. And guys in other platoons would know who you are. They'd be like, hey, that guy, he doesn't drink at all, man. Really? Why? Is he, has he got something wrong with him? No. Got an allergy? No, I mean they look at you like a like you would look at a dog playing a piano. It's it's an oddity. Now I don't think it's not so much because they really recruit for um for guys that are like hardcore professional and there's just no time anymore. I mean dudes are working like you're hustling out there. So it went on like this a while and uh, time marches on and by 1999 I end up in what was pretty much an all-star platoon of heavy hitters and hard drinkers. So there was lots of shenanigans throughout training, um, really solid dudes. But when we finally deployed, what, one of the things we had done was we had taken a picture of the commanding officer of every single base that we had trained on and had autographed it for them, and it made for a real nice conversation piece when people would come to visit our office. 
And some people would show up and they didn't get the joke and they'd say, hey, why did Bill Clinton thank you for helping out with what's what's that one thing? What what did you do for him? Like, no, it's a joke, dude. We stole that. But uh, so we get out there. We got out to Guam and um, we went on exercise. We bounced through uh, we bounced through Thailand. We bounced through Sri Lanka, went to Australia for like a month. And this was back in the day when you flew everywhere on military aircraft so uh, like we got down to Australia, we worked for like, well, worked, you know, sort of worked, hung out for a couple of weeks in Australia in Perth. And then we were supposed to take off and we were supposed to take off on uh, a C-130 to fly back to Guam. But the, uh, you know, I don't know what the Huckleberry grinder, you know, or whatever, some kind of component went out. So we had to stay an extra two weeks in Darwin, which also did not suck. And at that point, we had done enough exercises and we were far enough into the deployment where everybody would have just been good with hanging out in Guam and getting workouts and having barbecues and probably drinking too much. But then the boss comes in with this idea for we're going to go to Palau. And this is where this story kind of kicks off. So this story, this is a story that's so jacked up that somebody actually came and told it to me once, not knowing the story was about me, right? So the boss comes in and uh, him and the chief come in and they've obviously conspired on this thing. And the boss was, he was like, I don't know what you would expect like a, like an aristocrat to be, right? So for people that don't know, in the military, there's, you got your officers and you're enlisted. And, and I don't know if it's this way in every branch and it's certainly not this way in every military, but in the U.S. Navy, it still very much follows kind of that English aristocratic system where the officers are the gentlemen and the enlisted dudes are the help. You know, so this guy is exactly what you would expect of a kind of an aristocratic officer. And the chief was a guy who had done an exchange gig with the Australian special ops dude. So this guy had worked, you know, I don't know how long the gig was. I think it's like two years or something. But it was a hard gig to get, you know, like everybody wanted to get this exchange gig, go hang out in Australia. And dudes that had gotten the gig would always make a point of throwing in those uh, those little Aussie words, you know, to sort of let you know that like, oh, yeah, just so you know, you know, uh, I'm a guy that got that Australia trip. So, hey, go ahead and uh, empty the rubbish bin on your way out. Yeah. OK, chief. Thanks. So um, the boss and the chief come in and they say, all right, fellas, so uh, we're going to take a bit of a hop, go down to uh, Palau going to do an exercise. I'm like, what? Exercise in Palau? Like, who's ever heard of such a thing? And the idea here is, is what we're going to do is we're going to go down to Palau. And Palau is this, this string of islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And it's a big tourist diving spot. And, uh, you know, really, that's about all that's going on out there. And you try to find it on a map. Like, it's a dot in the middle of the ocean. That's really it. There's not much going on. The idea is that somehow the boss gets connected to the governor of Palau and agrees for us to fly out there and we're going to sink this giant fishing boat and that's going to be like a new tourist diving spot. You know, and like their government's going to fund it and it's going to be real cool and, you know, the boss is going to get a real good deal on his fit rep. And for us, we just get to blow up a boat. So that's also pretty cool. You know, like who gets to sink a ship? Like nobody, right? Good times. So we say, okay, so we'll start getting ready. What do we need to bring, you know? Okay, well, when we load up for this thing, we're going to be actually riding out there on a tugboat. Like, what? Taking a tugboat? Like, dude, I don't want to take a tugboat from Guam to the middle of nowhere. 
And the chief says, yeah, it's going to save some money, you know, and it's not going to be so bad. So here's what let's do. Let's take a whole bunch of steaks and a whole bunch of beer. And when we're done, we'll do a little barbecue and we'll hang out afterwards. We're like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, we were doing that anyway. Why do we got to ride a tugboat? But okay, okay, whatever. Like, like there's a choice, right? That's why they call it orders, not invitations. So we get loaded up. We take off on this tugboat. And if you haven't ever ridden a tugboat across the open ocean, I can't say I recommend it. It's not what I would call a good time. But we get out there and... Um, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, it's it's an island scene. And I didn't know, you know, okay, so Palau, I didn't know that they had this monetary system where they used to trade a kind of stone as currency. And this is, you know, whoever knows how long ago, but some kind of stone, like, you know, round circles of stone. And instead of just denominations, it went by size. So you'd have this giant chunk of stone and that's, that's Palauan money, right? This big round stone. Apart from that, though, at the time that we got there, and mind you, this is in 1999, they were really big on Britney Spears. So everywhere you went, they had Britney Spears playing. Britney Spears or Rod Stewart. Don't try to make sense of it. I, you know, if it, if you try to make sense of it, you'll have an aneurysm and you don't want that. So we get out there and then we find out also, yeah, you're not going to be staying in no hotel. You're going to be living on this tugboat. Like, oh, hey, terrific. Tugboat, the best. But the gig's not too bad, and using this tugboat, we pull this fishing boat out to, you know, just off the coast a little bit and uh, put the little uh, explosives on it, and and boom, like if you've never seen a boat sink, like up close and personal, it's pretty cool. I got to say that was pretty cool. But So we finished the gig, and uh, the chief says, hey, uh, the locals want to throw a party in our honor, you know, as a thanks for sinking this boat and setting up this thing. And we go, okay, yeah, cool. And he goes, hey, so why don't we bring uh, all the steaks and the beer that we brought and we'll bring it over there and have it over there. We're like, wait, how does us bring in our stuff? Whatever. So we're hanging out on this beach, this little beach hooch situation. And uh, we had this guy in the platoon, one of the new guys. And this guy looked exactly like the lead character from Starship Troopers, Johnny Rico. So Johnny Rico is cooking. And uh, then the chief comes over here, comes over to me and he goes, Hey, uh, you know, Johnny Rico's looking a bit tuckered. Why don't you go and, uh, why don't you go and relieve him on the grill for a while? So now where there's, you know, our guys are there, but also the locals drinking the beer that we brought and the food that we brought while I'm cooking for them. So now here's where the story starts to get weird. So we have this guy in the platoon that's, um, kind of an oddity. Like everybody in the teams is is sort of an oddity, but this dude is kind of like, he's like, Santa's evil brother like he looks like a little bit chubby you know but he's he's a stud like the guy's indestructible so Santa's little brother comes over to me and he goes and and you know and I'm on my third or fourth beer he's on like his fourth or fifth beer and he's like hey man what are you doing like I'm cooking man what do you want he goes dude why are you cooking get a new guy to cook and I said dude Johnny Rico was cooking and now the chief has me cooking he's like no man get the get the medic dude he just got out here because we had one guy, one medic that was with us, that fell downstairs and busted his hand up. So he had to go home. So we got a new guy out there. We got a new medic out there. So he says, hey, man, get the new medic over here. Get him to cook for a while. I said, yeah, it's a good idea. So I go over to the new medic. And I said, hey, man, come cook for a while. And he goes, no, man, I just got out here. I want to relax. I'm like, so I'm arguing with this guy for a minute. But now my stuff's burning. I got to get back over here and flip stuff over. So now I'm back to the grill. Now here comes Santa's little brother again. Hey, man, are you going to let him punk you like that? 
oh, I can't believe it. I thought you had more stones in this. So now I'm getting a little bit heated, right? So now I go back over to New Medic and I'm like, hey, man, I'm not asking you now. Go over there and cook. So yelling turns into fighting, turns into me and New Medic rolling around on the beach, kind of half slugging it out because we're both, you know, about half in the bag. And now here comes the boss. The boss is running over. What are you doing? What are you doing? Knock it off, man. You guys, you're killing me. So we mellow out, grab a different new guy. He goes over and cooks and I'm standing there and the boss is like, you got to pull it together, man. What's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm sorry, boss. I'll be cool. So the afternoon wears on, more barbecues, more beers, and now I'm hanging out on the beach and I'm talking to this local girl and I'm trying to ask this girl, where, how in the world did people get from wherever to here, to this tiny dot on the island? But I'm half in the bag. I'm no good. And she's trying to tell me like some old legend about a flying spider or some such, and it's not making any sense to me. But now, unbeknownst to me, there's there's a CB base on the island. So if you didn't know, CBs are uh, like a construction battalion. CB, get it? And uh, the CB dude, big dude, is like, hey, hey, and he's even more liquored up than well than any of us. Big dude, and he's like, hey, hey, and he's poking me in the chest, and he's going, hey, you know, the first frogmen were CBs, and I'm like, man, I, what? What are you talking about? Hey, hey. So now here we go again. But I've already been in one fight today, right? So before I get too into it with this guy, I'm going to get a second opinion. So I turn around and I'm looking. Like, who can I get a second opinion from on, on, on what I should do with this guy? And here's Santa's little brother again. You know, good judgment, one each. And I'm like, hey, this guy, he's trying to, he's, he's saying crazy things to me. What do you think? And a guy's poking me in the chest. Hey, you know, the first frogman. And he's like, I know what I would do. And he jumps on his back and I jump on his front. And this guy, this dude is a monster and just kind of like, boing, just knocks both of us off and then bear paws me in the side of the head and I fall down. And I'm like, uh, it's Santa's little brother and another dude jump, jump on him. And here comes the boss again. Knock it off. Knock it off. What are you guys fighting about? Like, oh, he said, and then Santa's little brother's laughing and uh, nothing. The boss is like, you guys knock it off. That's enough. Get out of here. Get out of here. So now we're taking off. We're walking up the street. We're going to go to this bar that the guys say are up the street. The locals are like, yeah, just come up to the, the whatever the, whatever it is bar. We're walking up the street. And now I'm, I'm borderline in the spirit world. I'm no good. So I'm hanging out in this bar. And I've just about had enough, man. I, I've, I've had my fill. I'm going to probably go back, go to sleep soon. I'm just going to step into the gentleman's. And then I'm going to head out. So I go over to the restroom. I go in there. There's no urinals in here. Why not? What kind of a restroom is this? No big deal. So I walk into this stall. And now... Suddenly I hear some women walk in and it occurs to me, oh, I'm in the women's restroom. Well, this isn't good. I got to get out of here. So I'm trying the door, but I'm a little flustered. So I can't get the lock undone. No big deal. I think because I can just climb out over the top. So I step on a toilet and I start to climb out of this stall. And now here's this woman and she starts screaming and she screams and I freak out and I fall and I probably kind of get knocked out, but I don't know for sure because I come to and I still hear screaming and I feel the back of my head and my head's bleeding and I'm thinking, oh man, I broke my head open. My brains are spilling out. Not like I was using them anyway. I get, I get up, I get the door opened, step out of the stall and I'm taking my shirt off and put it on my head because I'm bleeding. And now the whole platoon comes running in. So the whole platoon now is crowding into the women's bathroom. And they're going, what's going on? What happened to you? Who did that to you? Somebody hit you? And they're like, they're going to tune up some local in the woman's bathroom or something. I don't know. And I said, no, no, man, it's not like that. I, I was trying to climb out and I, and I fell in my head. So now they go from, you know, they're going to hurt somebody to they're laughing at me. Ah, you're an idiot. 
So as they're laughing at me, now here comes the boss through the door. And he sees me and he's, and he's like, you again. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but it's not what you think. He's like, that's enough. I've had it with you. Go back to the tugboat. I'm like, fine, I'm leaving anyway. So I got my shirt on my head. I'm no good. I'm all liquored up. I walk out the front door of this bar and, and you know, I would have been happy if it just ended there, but it doesn't. So I walk out the front of the bar and now this truck pulls up and who is it? It's the CB again, that CB with the neck like the tree trunk. And I look at him and he looks at me and I'm like, man, and he goes, hey, you need a ride? And I'm like, dude, I need a ride. He's like, get in, man. So this guy gives me a ride back to the tugboat. And I'm kind of feeling like a dunce, like I was, you know, fighting with this guy earlier. And now I got to depend on him for a ride. I'm like, man, thanks, dude. You know, I'm sorry. He's like, oh, no big deal, you know. So he drops me off at the tugboat. So I get to the tugboat. This awful day can be over. All I got to do is get downstairs and go to sleep. So I get onto the tugboat. And now I know that if you've been to like the Pacific, you've been to the tropics or anything, it's hot, right? And if it's hot outside, it's cold inside. That means condensation. We know this, okay? And if you've ever been on any kind of a seagoing vessel, any kind of a ship, you know that there's not, there's not stairs. They don't have stairs. They have like a ladder, okay? And it, it really is a ladder. It's like a ladder with a handrail. So you got to be careful. So I know this. So I walk up to this thing and I know hot outside, cold inside, there's the ladder. All you got to do is get down the ladder and go to sleep. One step. Ding, 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 all the way down the ladder. I fall all the way down this ladder. And bonus plan, I got my shirt on my head. So it's non-skid all the way down the ladder on my back. Not the deal. And I hit the bottom of this ladder and I'm laid out in the floor. My back's all scratched up. My head's broke open. I got my shirt on my head and I'm just laying there moaning like, oh, I'm dying. And who pokes their head out of their rack? New medic who I got in a fight with earlier on that day. And he goes, hey, man, do you need some help? I'm like, dude, I need help. So now new medic is patching me up. So now it's the end of the day. And you know what they say, the universe is talking to you if you know how to listen. So apparently, like, I was probably getting talked to a whole lot before this, but it took getting to a point where I'm half in the bag laid out at the bottom of tugboat stairs after getting a ride from one guy I got in a fight with to get help from another guy I got in a fight with. And that's what it takes for me to go, you know what, maybe you should slow down a little bit. So at that point, I decided, you know, maybe I will. And I laid off drinking for three months straight. And and again, like, I'm not the guy that would ever say, like, I don't drink. But that was definitely a turning point of, like, you got to take it easy, man. And I guess one of the rules of the road that one of the old guys laid down to me was, like, Look, you can take the drink, but you can never let the drink take you. And nobody ever thinks it's happening to them. But I think when you're laid out at the bottom of tugboat stairs, it's probably a good time to reassess, as they say. So the next time we're in town, if you want to hit me up and say, hey, man, let's have a beer. Yeah, I'll have a beer. But as for steaming hard and getting out of hand, ask somebody else, man, because I'm just not that guy. I don't want to be in no more stories like this. So that's about all the time we have for today. Hopefully that could distract you a little bit from all the good news that you've no doubt been bombarded with. If you've got thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, or you've got an idea for a topic you'd like to hear us cover, then you can send us a quick email at info at apg.team. 
And if you want to see what we have going on at APG, you can check out our website at www.apg.team, where you can also sign up for our Tuesday Tip of the Week, which comes out every, hmm, yes, uh, Tuesday. And if you like what we're putting out, do feel free to pass this along to your friends, because as we all know, the world needs hitters. So, as the sun sets slowly in the east, I'll leave you with the words of the universe, who once said to me, a smart guy, why don't you take it easy a little bit? that you are not.